Thanks for tuning in to the Thrill Me podcast. I'm Adam. He's Jared. Adam. How are you, How are you going, mate? Good. We're going back into the woods again. Another mm. slasher. Mm. 1981. The Burning. Prior to that, though, let's talk movies. What have you been watching? Uh, I've only got three to talk about, really. Well, I'm still watching the Ninja Turtles. Right. Still enjoying it. I'm still seeing uh, the last episode I watched actually had a bit of a takeoff of um, Big Trouble in Little, Little China. So that was good fun. Yeah. I watched Trainwreck at the cinemas. Hey, how was that like? Yeah, it was all right. Hmm. I think it's, I'm assuming I mean, this was a, you know, wife and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wife pick. Oh, well, I suggested I said to her, look, this is right up your alley, but I knew it was going to have a little bit of smutty humour and uh, LeBron, how was LeBron James in there, so how? I thought it was worth a, worth a look. How was LeBron James, um, by the way? He was excellent. It was really funny. It was uh, quite funny. They played him as this... As although he's like one of the richest blokes in the world that is a real tight ass and a real cheapskate. <laughs> so he's doing things like, you know, come back to see his mate to get his parking validated and then, you know, going through the going through the bill at the restaurant to say, you know, you had this, so you're paying for that. You had two Cokes. <laughs> so it's you know, it's quite he's quite funny. John Cena is pretty good as well. Amy Schumer, I like I haven't watched her show or anything, but mm. I think she's she was very funny. She was right. very funny in it. The movie itself, like, was just a straight down the line. It was just a straight down the line rom com setup. But you know, bit of smart, <laughs> bit of uh, you know, nothing like a bit of smart. Yeah, it was it was funny. Like, I don't think I don't think it's a it's a great movie or anything. It's not it's not going to change the genre, but it's it was very funny. So. Okay. And I saw Sharknado one and two. Ah, yeah, <laughs> finally got on board. Um, well, she don't know. <laughs> yeah, she don't know. You know what? I liked them both. Yeah, they were. It's it's absolute crap. Like the effects are cheap as chips, and they are constantly on the screen, <laughs> and you cannot take them seriously. But obviously, you know the asylum knows this, and it's just it's just ridiculous, over the top, and it's fun. You know, there's some of the cheesiest lines you'll ever see. Some of the worst acting. <laughs> there's one bloke in the, the, there's a bloke in the first one who's um who's an Australian, who is is he just, actually Australian? I think yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he actually is Australian. I think he's off. Uh, it was off Baywatch or something from a few oh, years back. Yeah, okay. But he is kind of I don't know. He's so laughably bad, but he obviously knows what he's in. So he's sort of I don't know. This Plain awareness, the, the, the awareness kind of makes it makes it. Funnier. Okay. So, yeah. Look, I'm on. I'm on board. They were fun. Are you on board for the third? I'll check it out. I'll definitely I believe that's check got Hasselhoff in it. So, really, that's a given. And uh, Mark Cuban is the president of the United States. <laughs> All this <laughs> stuff. Doesn't he own a basketball team? He's <laughs> yeah. Is he? Yeah, um, so, you also mentioned that uh, Tara Reid. Uh, <laughs> I believe my words were that she looks like Keith Richards. In this. <laughs> I believe I was shot back with. Keith Richards would be offended. <laughs> by that Look, I don't know what ha- I don't know what's happened to her. I don't like. I don't know whether there's. Um, I think I, I can't remember, but I think she may have had some alcohol issues or something like that at one point in time. Yeah, well, that's but, yeah alleged, I guess. I don't know if that's it's taken its toll because she looks. I don't know what's. I don't know. She just looks like she looks like she's sick. Basically, she's lost a lot of weight. I think that doesn't. She's lost help a lot, lot of weight, but she's just got that sort of. She's I don't really know, sort of skinny. For a, for a woman in her thirties, she's showing every year of it that face. Got a lot of miles on but the clock. I don't know what. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not um, it's not a natural 
aging process. <laughs> there's, there's something that's kicked the uh, kick the process along a little bit. Okay. No, I'm not trying to be rude. No, here, no, no, of course not. No, no. I mean, this is obviously coming from oil paintings one yeah, and yeah, two. Exactly, you know. Yeah, a couple of male models <laughs> sitting here discussing people's looks. I watched the documentary Bully. Mm. I kind of liked it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's on par with, um, you know, some of the documentaries I've recently seen, like yeah, um, Going Clear and some of the Michael Moore documentaries. I think it's partially because there's no sensationalism. Mm. It's not very sensationalised, which is good because it's not a, it's not a um, topic that needs to be sensationalised. Yeah, we know Michael Moore loves to yeah, loves uh, to heap uh, a bit. Uh, loves uh, to show one side of the argument and ramp it up. But also Moore likes to do something kind of outrageous yeah. to get the, the, the movie sort of talking, mm. I guess. Um, and and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I like that. I thought the documentary was good. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more information about perhaps um, online bullying. It, it mentioned it briefly, but it didn't go into depth about it. But I did think that um, as far as documentaries go, it was quite it was quite good and it was quite sad. It was mm. really sad to it watch. It was sad. Especially from the point of view of a couple of families in it. So... That was sort of difficult to to watch. I watched. I still know what you did last summer. You're a fool. Yeah, I taped it off the TV. Fool me once. Fool me once. <laughs> fool me a second time. I'll take it. <laughs> fool me a third time. <laughs> uh, that's my motto. Because <laughs> um, I've seen. I always know what you did last summer as well. So I've been fooled on three occasions. Oh, yeah, that was. Still know what you did I'd, last summer. I'd scrub that one from memory. I asked you a question. What? the fuck is Jack Black doing? I don't know. He is I just... I, I mean, I, I'm assuming he knows that this is not a good film and he's just sort of taken it up to the to the hilt because he's hamming it up. At that point, though, he he was... Um, well, see, he, he was, was, in, star, need of, he was he? In, in need of a break, so he was doing anything. I, I yeah, 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 yeah. I think he was. Um, um, playing a white Rastafarian who sells weed <laughs> is not really a big break, I guess. But, I mean, it was probably a semi-successful film, so I guess we see why he took it. Overall, it's a turd. It's a shocker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's, it's the whole idea. Sorry, I know that we'll probably cover this movie at some point, so we'll go a little bit deeper in it. But the fact that the killer has paid for me to come over and neck me. You know, we're talking 10 to 15 Gs to get those guys over to the Caribbean. Mm. What? Oh, <laughs> Why? I, don't know. I remember... <laughs> Just um, turn up to campus and kill her. I remember someone saying to me, it's, it's better than the first one. I said, excuse me. <laughs> did, like, did we watch the same movie? Because I know the first one, again, I know the first one's not some sort of Oscar-winning picture, but... <laughs> Give us a spell. Oh, yeah, yeah. The second one is just tragic. Um, the third one, even worse, I believe. Yeah, the third It's a director video. The third one was a shocker. Shitfest. Had a twist similar to Cut. <laughs> Stay tuned. Mm. <laughs> and the last thing I... Oh, no, I watched uh, Sleepaway Camp 2. Mm. Pamela Springsteen. Yeah, look, you know what? <laughs> it's kind of good fun. It's goofy. It's kind of shitty, but it knows it. The original is not a classic, but it does have a genuinely disturbing ending. Yep. Which I think puts it higher up. Yeah. You know, the ending is very, very interesting and very sort of surprising. I think the original's got some real good points about it too, yeah. like that the the, the um, campers actually look like 
Uh, oh, yeah, 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 and they're not, you know, they're not thirty somethings pretending to be teenagers and things like that. <laughs> um, this one lacks polish, but I found it kind of goofy fun. I kind of enjoyed it, uh, and it's really short. It's about eighty minutes. It's perfect good. for me because I'm not off at the fifty minute mark. Yeah. <laughs> so the majority of it is over by the time I fall. Yeah, like, that's only two to three sittings for me. <laughs> and a little bit of a surprise bag. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's a, a British zombie flick called Doghouse. Yeah, I've actually got it. Yeah? On Blu-ray. You got it? Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, it, it was yeah. nothing special, nothing new in terms of zombie flicks, but I had a great time with it. It was yeah, funny it was and it was yeah. cool and, you know. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. So it's one to really get your hands on. It's a bit of a sort of a surprise. So if you can get your hands on it, certainly do. Mm. That'll do us for Recently Seen. We will take a break and come back and get into 1981's The Burning. What happened one summer five years ago is about to happen again and again and again. The Burning. The Burning, made in the, uh, or released in the summer of Slasher Flicks, 1981, directed by Tony Malum, who uh, directed a movie that I have seen with Rutger Hauer called Split Second, which actually wasn't too bad, and uh, the Genesis concert movie. <laughs> multi, Haven't multi seen talented. it? Very talented. Doesn't like to doesn't like to um, pigeonhole himself. No, no, no. Just yeah, he, he, he's also done some docos on uh, some football teams, I think, as right. well. So yeah, he's a bit of a documentary man these days. It's produced. It was produced by Harvey Weinstein, who, of course, is an Academy Award-winning producer and co-creator of Miramax Films with his brother Bob. The story was created and written by both Harvey and Bob Weinstein, Tony Malum, and a guy by the name of Peter Lawrence, who actually has gone on to write for a couple of animated series. Uh, including the Thundercats. Ooh. Yeah. The cast is Brian Matthews as Todd. Brian was a bit of a staple of the soapy genre. Young and the Restless Santa Barbara. <laughs> Lee Ayres as Michelle. She was in Bloodsport. And all that jazz. Talk about not being pigeonholed. <laughs> you know, dance movie one minute, an ass-kicking movie the next. Yep. Jason Alexander as Dave. Obviously, we know him as George Costanza from Seinfeld. And Fisher Stevens as Woodstock. He was in Short Circuits 1 and 2. <laughs> watch the films. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but watch the films because I think Fisher Stevens is, Stevens is an American. Yes. The budget was an estimated one and a half mil. Uh, there's conflicting reports. It was somewhere between half a million and a million and a half. I'm going to say it's probably around the million mark. And the box office was a very average seven hundred and seven thousand. It kind of was it was probably in a it was probably perfectly positioned somewhat in the fact that Friday the thirteenth had already come out and it was an opportunity to go move on to that the next year to be a success, but no, it, it failed. A bit of trivia, this was actually the first film ever made by Miramax. Excellent. She's quick, simple synopsis after what can only be described as a pretty shitty prank. (laughs) (laughs) 
the camp caretaker of Camp Blackfoot, Cropsy, is set on fire. He survives the fire and spends five years in hospital being tended to. When he finally gets out, he heads to nearby Clamp Camp Stonewater, I think it was called, and begins to dismember the staff and children using a pair of large shears. Look, I think he was just uh, jealous that he didn't play pranks as good as that one. I mean, <laughs> it, setting someone a lot. It was a gem. It's yeah. a real nice like. Oh, got him. <laughs> got him. Shake it off, Cropsy. <laughs> um, general thoughts, Jared. <laughs> General thoughts on this one. Um, I've gone back and forth on this a few times. I remember the first time I saw you it. You thought about it that much? <laughs> well, I remember the first time I saw it, I, I didn't really see why people held it up as one of the real good slashes. And I gave it another chance a couple of years later, and I really, really enjoyed it. This time around, I was somewhere in the middle. I reckon it's about a, a two and a half out of five. The effects and everything are great and that's that's where the real joy of this one lies that it's it's the quintessential slasher you know it's got a really um uh, it's got an interesting take on the on the um the the slasher the the character yeah and the scenes of the actual the the slashing and the the special effects are excellent really well done but the, the story kind of meanders a bit um which which lets it down a little bit for me so i reckon two and a half i'm probably being i'm probably being a bit harsh there um but yeah i'll Two and a half out of five for me. I'm going at three. Yep. <clears throat> the reason why I'm going at, at three is because that's what I gave Friday the 13th. Yep. And honestly, this movie is on par with Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th is probably slightly higher, a higher three stars in that it's probably a little bit more professionally made. It's got a yep. professional sheen to it that perhaps this doesn't quite have. But... If this movie was made in 1980 and released by Paramount Pictures, it would have made a shitload of money. It would have been Friday the 13th. Basically, yeah, I could it see, is essentially the same type of film. Yeah, there's elements of it that I could see that really would have really would have hit the mark. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, if this had have been the one that Sean Cunningham, because we all know Sean Cunningham had the title before he had the movie, mm. if this script had have been called Friday the 13th, it would have been just the same effect, yeah. basically. And again... The Tom Savini, really, once again, Savini saves this movie and elevates it above what it would have been. Yeah. Because the special effects are so good for that period. Again, people were like, the people who did see this, the $707,000 worth <laughs> of box office receipts, would have looked at it in the same Capacity of Friday the 13th It's like wow mm. Look at this Savini might need to Take a place next to Tom Atkins and Shane Black oh, I think so I think we, We've Hall just thrown in Thrown Tom Savini Into the Thrill Me Hall of Fame um, Because yes that Those special effects Are A cut above The Friday the 13th ones mm. uh, Which is You know They were fairly good In a year before These yeah. are even better Yep This it also falls A little bit Into the Friday the 13th Category of For every good thing There's a countering Bad thing yeah, there was a few, <clears throat> few, few bad points along Look, the way. The things I like about this movie: the first thing that hits me when I watch this movie, the music. Yeah, I think the actual score is just awesome. The score is really, really good. really good, and it definitely adds to the the um, uh, cr- creating that atmosphere along the way. It's it's perfect for a slasher flick, but there's a kind of a haunting quality to it as well yeah. that gives it a little bit more push and I think you know if I'm comparing it to say 
once again, you know, Friday the 13th and Harry Manfredini's score, I think this is a better score, if I'm honest. It just lacks that kick, kick, Yeah, made. you're probably right. It's, it's, it's not that far from it, but it doesn't have that iconic. Yeah. And Manfredini, his score's not bad. The rest of the score is just average. Mm. But that piece in Friday the 13th yeah. is, is the king pin of that whole Almost a series. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. This one has this one's definitely on par, but it just lacks that real memorable yeah. one that you just you know you walk out and you're humming it or you know. I believe this was done by a, someone from a major band. I think it was uh, Yes or one of those seventies bands. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I right. have, to, I have to remember it. Um, see if I can remember it while we're we're discussing it, but. Hmm. <clears throat> This is probably one of the key points that I really like about the film is the look and feel of the camp. Yep. I think it looks great. I think if even the activities they're doing, having been to one of these camps before, I kind of felt it was very similar. And if you took away the slasher parts, you'd have a a meatball-style hijinks kind of team yeah. flick. And it wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Even though, as you pointed out, there's a little bit of meandering through the throughout the film when the slasher stuff's not happening. But I do like that. I think it sets a, a really nice scene and a nice tone for being at a camp. Yeah, I think that was... Uh, yeah, I'd agree. That was one of the strong points. It actually looked like they were at a summer camp. They were doing things that you would do at a summer camp. Yeah. And we, you know, as we've gone over before, the summer camp and the, the slasher go hand in hand. It's just a great place to set, a great place to set them because you've got that a group of people, but then you've also got the opportunities for isolation, and mm. it just looks great on film as well. So. What I love about this one is the actual um, <clears throat> the setup of the camp. It seems bigger. It seems more spread mm. um, than say says- Friday the Thirteenth or. Uh, um, any of the other ones that we've seen at camp before? And there seems to be more. There seems to be uh, an actual proper amount of people at the camp. Yeah. Like when they go to eat, there's actually, you know, 100-odd kids there, you know. Yeah. And, and that's another good point. Kids in danger. Yep. I hate to say that because it kind of sounds a little bit like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate to have young kids in danger. <laughs> but what I mean in this case is, it adds that little extra notch of uh, the stakes. It ups the stakes yeah, once exactly. more because you're saying the camp counsellors are dealing with this murderer. Yeah. And there's also kids in the mix. Though. There's actually something on the line beyond <clears throat> this character that we may not have connected with all that well. Like, you know, it does it does work to, to raise the stakes. And I bit. believe this movie does kill some kids. Uh, on the raft, they're kids. Well, they? they look, yeah. Uh, you definitely look at someone like Fisher Stevens. He looks about 15. He's meant to be a camper. So, He's not a counsellor. Exactly, yeah. So they actually do kill him. So, yeah, the state... Which is a bit shocking. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially in that raft scene, which is probably the highlight of the film. Yeah, um, that, that scene does work really well, um, although you can see it coming a mile off and it you really, yeah, just yeah. actually get to the boat. You really are sounding a little bit creepy there. No. Oh, gee, yeah, when the kids got killed, that's the highlight no, of the film. No, no, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. it puts, oh, it, puts, a, it puts a, an extra level... Yeah. Of stakes there that a lot of these movies don't have. Yep. Yeah, because normally you would see the kids there, um, and they would be off limits. They'd be there as a, as a part of the plot to sort of say they're in danger, but they would sort of be off limits. 
Whereas this one, you take someone like Fisher Stevens, who's sort of on the cusp. You know, he's not a young kid, yeah. but he's not one of the you know he's not one of the older councillors. So when you knock him off, it actually kind of it is a bit of that. And it does kind of have you going shit. You know, yeah, yeah. anything anything goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. I think the acting's a notch above. Yeah, it's good. Most of these, it, it like the actors are pretty pretty solid. Yeah. Across the board, I don't think there's any real shit actors. In terms of slasher films, it's one of the better ones. That the young actors are actually of a really good quality. How old was Costanza? Do we think? I think he was about twenty-one or twenty-two. Right. But he was. I mean, he was a bit of a standout. You can see why he had a career. Yeah. Some of the other ones were, you know, your standard sort of what you're getting. Glazer, for example, was just your typical sort of meathead. Oh, kind of. Anybody hasn't seen this movie, Glazer's kind of the camp bully. He, <laughs> we'll get to him later, but yeah. But he, I mean, you, you're right. The whole, the, the whole. But, but even Glazer job. does a decent job playing that that prick. You know, like that's a that's a that is a stereotypical character, and it's not a difficult performance to get to. But you got to have someone who can get to it. Yeah, and he's just got one of those faces that just looks like you want to. I mean, you just see that bloke and you think, I might avoid him because he's going to be a prick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It has kind of, look, it has a sleazy quality that probably fit into the time frame, mm. to the early 80s. It's it's probably, you know, it's got more of those sleazy elements than a lot of slasher movies. Yeah, not enough to sort of go into, say, like video nasty territory. No, no, not quite. But enough of it to give it a real edge. Yeah. It's not. It's raw. It's got a bit of a raw sort of feel to it, and and it's it, it has a sleazy quality, and I think that would have helped it. But again, I'm coming back to the fact that you put this in in a year earlier, and you put it into a major studio. It's going to release it big. This movie makes money. Yeah, equally equally as well as any Friday the Thirteenth. Yet Friday the Thirteenth was far less sleazy. Than yeah, this. it feels. I mean, it feels a bit strange for me to give it a two two and a half out of five because I think it is a lot better than most of the slashes out there. I think it is actually a, a very very good film in, mm. in a lot of in a lot of ways. Costanza with hair. <laughs> yeah. Now it's a lot because uh, it's, it's so funny. There's a caveat here because you still don't think it's hair. I think it's a rug. I Honestly, couldn't be. he's twenty one or twenty two. He looks like he scraped it off the road. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, that's questionable. No. Questionable. Well, look, if it is a rug, I mean, he does dive into the water. If it is a rug, it's another point for Tom Savini. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he managed to, when, he, when he jumped in the water, it stayed on. Yeah, I think <laughs> I I can I believe it's a rug. It's not. Aaron a rug. is fair that it's okay. Probably his hair. Maybe it's just hard to accept because yeah. we know him as this balding moron from Seinfeld, <laughs> and then you see him, he's younger. Although he still looks very like he's he's just aged. Like he looks exactly yeah, the he same. Looks exactly face. The same. But he's, he's kind of he's kind of cool. Yeah, he's a bit of a cool. He's cool kind of like um, 
red from the Shawshank Redemption. You know? he's, getting, he's getting all the contraband items like yeah. fr- frangers and you know, glazer starts blowing up about non-lubricated. These are non-lubricated. Yeah, okay. He's kind of like the guy you go to get things. But, and he's a bit of the, you know, the class clown. Like, yeah. You know, he's the one cracking gags and when they're in the, you know, where they're in the food hall and the bloke's talking about what they need to do, he's the one that's kind of standing up and yeah. cracking gags and things. Yeah. Special effects. Excellent. They are sensational. Like, they are still, today, worth sort of looking at and saying, well, you know, yeah, you can understand it, why. We've said it over and over, but Savini's like a bit of a sort of magician. Yeah. How, how you, you can just, he can show a shot of somebody just standing there and then getting their throat cut or something like that without, without you know, cutting to another shot or this and that. Like, he just, he's a master of just being being able to put these effects on screen and like, you know, we describe it as a magician because you look at it and think, how did he do that? Mm. You know basically how he did it. But there's a lot of things that go into actually just getting one one really good shot of it. And yeah, and he elevates the material. This yeah. this is a slasher film. It, at, in 1981, you were expected to up the ante because Friday the 13th had been so successful. This movie does up the ante. And, in fact, I believe Savini walked away from... Friday the 13th Part 2 to yeah, do this. Yeah, He was offered Part 2. And he was, at the time, a major selling point. Yeah, he kind of makes the danger real mm. and he makes the, the killers scary Yeah, with with what he does. The only thing I will say that doesn't look great as that good is Cropsy's face. Mm. Um, it looks a little bit so slapdash, just kind of shoveled together. and I mean, it's, it's passable, but it's not his best. I didn't mm. say that much. For all that good stuff, because to me, that's a fair bit of good stuff. Yeah, it is. That covers off on a lot of points of this movie and gives it a lot of re- reasons to see it. Yeah. The dislikes, though, start cancelling things out. There are two sequences at the start, after Cropsy's been set on fire. They're just useless. They, 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 yeah. they have no relevance to what's going on other than explaining what we already know or what we will assume. So, for instance, we understand he's pissed off. (laughs) They set fire to the guy. Are you sure? Yet it has that (laughs) shit where he's getting wheeled down the whole hospital corridor. Look, we know you're not happy with those kids, but you need to try and get get over over it. it. Yeah, 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 no worries. I just got got set on fire as, as some sort of prank, but look. I'll just let it wash over me. I'll just sort of let it go. I mean, I've now got a head like a busted asshole. <laughs> Admittedly, Cropsy... Yeah, it was pretty rough at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, Cropsy was pretty, pretty, you know, he wasn't exactly he wasn't exactly a male model either. But, you know, you can understand, you can assume that he's not happy. No, yeah, okay. well, he might just be a little bit upset about You don't uh, need to have a scene of him killing a prostitute. There might be a bit of a lingering sort of uh, ill feeling towards a couple of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's we, don't, we, don't, we don't need to see it. What it does, to me, it diminishes the character slightly because when you've got these summer camp kind of urban legend type setups, we don't need to see him on his own. We don't need to see a little bit of that sort of character from him, and it doesn't do anything for his character because we, were, like he said, we already know he's pissed off. We already know he's burnt. That's what those two scenes establish. Yeah, they establish that he's alive and that he's burnt and that he's angry. Yeah, uh, that scene with Lawrence Fishburne's brother, <laughs> a guy who looks like Lawrence Fishburne. 
is just a stupid scene. Oh, come here, have a look at this guy. He's just burnt to a crisp. He looks like shit. Yeah, come yeah. and have a look. Well, thanks very much. For your, <laughs> thanks very much for your kindness and understanding. Yeah. <laughs> well, first day of the job, come and have a look at this guy. He looks like a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a scene. It's a scene that's irrelevant. The death of the prostitute, massively irrelevant. That's got nothing to do with what happened. Yeah. Nothing. It's um, a bit like... <laughs> it's, it's to show his rage or whatever and yeah. for her to go, oh, I've picked up a bad one here. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bit like Michael Myers. He's, he's a bit of a boogeyman. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an urban legend type setup. So showing him in these situations is just... I, personally, I think it's not, not required at all. It could have just been him rolling down the hill, falling in the water, fade to black five years later. Yeah, exactly. That's what back. I think. Yep. That those scenes had had nothing, and in fact, and I said this to you at the time, Jared, they get the movie off to a very poor start. The movie starts really poorly, and those two scenes are actually the problem. Yeah, we I get into so. the groove though after that because we're at summer camp. We're at the summer camp. Yeah, but they're just ridiculously unnecessary. Yep. There's a fair amount of padding. I think this was one of your biggest problems. Yeah. I just felt there was uh, there was some points where it just went sort of scene to scene of things people would do at a summer camp instead of actually developing a story. I still couldn't really tell you who whose story it is supposed to be. Obviously, it's, you know the guy at the end that was part of the prank and then he's now the 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 lead counselor. I've forgotten his name for whatever reason. Todd. Todd. Um, obviously, it's his story because he's he's the one that you know ends up at the end with Cropsey, um, but. Throughout, you spend all the time with the kids, so we don't really have a story. That's that's my biggest problem with the film is that. Like, and we look, have I some character development things that just sort of go nowhere. Yeah, they just I, sort of look, piss into the wind. I understand that it's a slasher, and people would say to me, "You sound ridiculous because you're looking for a slasher film with, you know, depth." All I will say to them is, "Go and watch Scream, or go and watch, um, you know, Halloween, or whatever." They actually ha- they follow someone. They yeah. have a story, you know. Um, so my biggest problem is that you just we don't we we don't even see Todd as much as we see the the, the group of group of kids. Yeah, which is fair enough because you need to get to know them and sort of develop a develop a uh, an attachment to them to so when they're in danger that it's effective. You know, and they try and do it with Todd and Michelle. Yeah, give them a romance sort yeah. of that's there, but it, it 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 sort of doesn't. There's not enough scenes of that. Yeah, it's very lean. And even even then, I do actually like a lot of the scenes with the kids, like Costanza and that. They like you were saying, they give good performances, and yeah. and, and you do like these kids, and you do think, oh, that Glaze is a bit of a dick and all this sort of stuff. But it sort of takes away from where. What's our story? You take away that those first two scenes that we talked about. That's maybe seven or eight minutes. That's seven or eight more minutes of footage of, of character development. Yeah, where you Todd develop the story exactly and develop story. Yep. That's where the movie goes wrong. Basically, yeah. yep. that first couple of scenes. It's half an hour before I'm back in. I'm back in the groove again. Because yeah. I'm, I'm those first ten minutes. I've, I feel like they've been wasted. Yeah. Just quietly, Todd's threatened quite a few kids in that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a counselor. Yet he's a big fan of grabbing shirts. And, <laughs> you know, you listen here, you little shit, and all this sort of stuff. You know, like he's threatening. Yeah. He's very, yeah. yeah he's, a, he's an angry man. He is. The women are treated poorly, and when we talked about misogyny in the last episode about The Last Boy Scout. We talked about the fact that there's a misogynistic streak to the movie and it's because it's a world where misogyny is probably 
fairly rife and da 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 da. If we went into that and we and we did point out that yeah, look, we felt that it was pretty misogynistic. Last Boy Scout was. This is just as bad, if not worse. Yeah. That the women, it's either you're either naked. If you're not going to have sex with the uh, your boyfriend, you are a bitch. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. I repeat You're going to be put upon heavily yeah. by Glazer. Glazer's <laughs> going to be putting work on you, and, and he's going to be grabbing you by the arms and holding you in place and saying, oh, please, baby, come on. Come on, come on. Come on, baby. Don't worry about it. I'll make it good for you. He's up against, he's got her up against the tree. Yeah. Honestly, you know, it's kind of, it, and also our mate, the um, the pervert. Yeah. He's constantly yeah. watching the girls. Albert. He's his own dislike because he's supposed to be likeable, but his entire involvement in the film is, one, being being caught perving on the chicks in the showers. And then being and then held by of, props to Yeah, a, instead of, of anyone, oh, you know, we know it's the 80, early 80s because instead of anyone saying, listen, this bloke's perving on chicks in the shower. That's serious stuff, you know. <laughs> it's a bit of a, you almost feel like there's someone's going to giggle. And so, you know, a bit of a slap on the wrist. Oh, look, we'll take care of it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Then, next thing you know, he's he's sort of in the background. They're all saying, oh, don't worry about, don't worry about Glazer. Glazer threatens to beat the shit out of him for perving on chicks, which is the one time in the movie I've Glazer, seen. Glazer, I'm on Glazer's side. Yeah. So then, you know, Albert's kind of, there's a bit of a revenge thing on Glazer, a bit of a prank, and then there's, you know, Glazer's kind of sitting there, this bloke's a weirdo through the whole movie, and then the next kind of major involvement he has is chasing Glazer and his missus and spying on them, having sex. So... What was... Did we ever... There was no scenes of them going... What the fuck are you doing looking in the shower? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's none Stop of that. It. And he ends up being, you're, you're supposed to be sympathetic to him. Yeah, and he's, because he's, he's anything but. Because yeah. he's nothing more than just this one-dimensional guy who sits yeah. around going uh, all, and staring in the shower. All we're supposed to, look, we're supposed to get from him, you're supposed to sympathise with him because he's not getting any, basically. <laughs> Well, that's what I get. But the way he the way he responds to not getting any is weird. <laughs> he's he's a he's a peeping tom. My favourite bit is there where uh, after he's watched the girl in the shower, they cut to him and Todd in the office, and Todd goes, "What are you trying? <laughs> what are you trying to pull?" <laughs> and I was, we both said. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Myself, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the whole Albert character leaves me a bit sort of... I think it's Alfred. Alfred, Not sorry. Albert. The whole Alfred character leaves me a bit kind of, I want to wash my hands after watching the movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't, I, no, but, well, my thing is, okay, he, so he, he was looking at a few chicks in the showers, you know, it was kind of, if that was played as some kind of hijinks or something, you know, the young kids... Trying to see some some nudity, maybe it's sort of uh, you know it could be seen as a little less creepy. Yeah. But there's nothing that they don't even explain. What is your problem? <laughs> yeah. Look, but the thing about that is, um, if it was say like a meatballs quality, if it was like a younger yeah younger kid, you know younger kids trying to do that. That's when you sort of play it off. You know, it's a prank. Yeah. Or that's what you would expect to get played off in a movie is it's a prank. This bloke's on the verge of adulthood and he's peeping on showers um, and things. That's weird. That is of, weird. Speaking of peeping in the showers, that sort of shit was in Sled by Camp too. But the kids were younger. 
But yeah. they were they were twelve or something. Yeah, yeah, thirteen. This bloke, this this, this is why we also watch. Paddy Ray, the jock strap. <laughs> <laughs> it was a jock strap raid. <laughs> but yeah, this is one where like this bloke is on the verge of adulthood. He's peeping in the showers. <laughs> you just kind of you're you're sitting there going, that's that's odd, that's creepy. And then you know, as I said, you're supposed to sympathise with him, but the then he goes peeping on people having sex, and then. Yeah. He's, then, and, and, then he's getting chased by Cropsy and he's supposed to be saved and you think, I don't give a rat's <laughs> ass. Put this guy out of his misery. He's a nothing character. Move him yeah. on. I also had to laugh at when he when he follows Glazer back to where him and Sally or whatever had slept together and Cropsy's there and gives him the you know the shears through the neck yeah. and jams him up against the tree. And he, Alfred is watching and sees it all. The guy's about this far away from Cropsy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised Cropsy doesn't go, you're fucking next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, that that character particular left me a bit sort of squeamish about the whole movie. Speaking of squeamish, and um, this is a small part of the film, and again, probably segues back into the misogyny part of it, but George Costanza <laughs> turns to a girl in the dining area and says something about, uh, he's kind of flirting, he says something about, do you want to go on a date? I'll bring something and spermicide. And oh, then yeah. it goes like this. <laughs> yeah. Gives, gives thought, her a wink and yeah, a... Yeah, it's like, yeah. Look, he's what do you reckon? You, you know? That's all right. <laughs> I felt uncomfortable. <laughs> I did. I felt a little slightly uncomfortable. As I said to you, I was expecting them to go on the date and then her to get really upset when he um, decides to go to the toilet and comes out without his shirt on or something like that or eats the, eats the donut out of the bin or something. <laughs> I'm expecting it? Jerry next to him to go, <laughs> start riffing and having all these jokes at his expense. It's actually um, it's kind of funny to see like a self-assured cocky Costanza <laughs> with, with the hindsight of him being the, the embodiment of the frustrated <laughs> quite a, a pretty ordinary human being but accepting of it what I, what I love is yeah yeah if, if if it was a Seinfeld version of this character he'd be uh, the girls would be there and he'd be looking at Fisher Stevens going do you think she likes me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it's with the yeah, it's another one of those classic things where you've got that hindsight so when you go back and watch it it seems wrong yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny to watch and yeah just going back to glazer. And and, it, and and the and the whole, you know, the way the women are treated. We got Glazer saying to Albert or Alfred, "You're a piece of shit. You shouldn't be staring at chicks in the shower." And then, come on, baby, let's <laughs> let's get this job done. I'll make it good for you. Yeah, you know, come on. He's just as bad. Glazer's just upset because he's cutting in on his territory. Basically, Glazer probably wanted to peep through the same hole and then start making, you know, lewd comments and suggestions <laughs> to the women. It's just, a, I mean, it's an all-round masterclass in how not to treat women. Basically. Yeah, that's right. It's, a, it's, it's really, it's actually quite poor. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, especially the fellow that um, takes the girl out skinny dipping. Yeah, yeah. He's that a real, is bar- he's a real Look, bastard. That was the worst, now that you bring it up, that was actually the worst one of the whole thing because that's bordering on... That was bordering on an assault. Yeah. There was parts of it where I thought, is he going to hit her? Yeah. It was this close to rape or assault. Yeah. Because, um, you fucking bitch, you come out here, you tease me and all this sort of shit. Basically, yeah, and you then, tease me so I should... And he grabs her. And Remember then, he grabs her? But the message you get from that 
scene, again, like, he treats her like shit and tells her to piss off. And then she gets killed. So you're getting this kind of message in the movie that it's okay to treat women like shit and they're just... Yeah, then you she's know, just going to be disposed of. Yeah, yeah, that, disposable. Like it's because he survives, doesn't he? Oh no, no, um, he gets it in the throat. He definitely survives. She gets killed, and then he sort of survives a bit longer. He than gets that. it on the raft. In yeah, the throat. so it's a bit of a. I mean, it's a shit message. Yeah, day for night shots. There's a technical issue, but it's meant to be midnight. <laughs> And it's midday. It, it basically is. It, the, 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 the footage is so light that they're trying to sell you a, a, a night shoot. It's not even close. doesn't look mm. anything like it. No. Uh, so that's pretty poor. It's not. It's kind of a bit like they're not trying. Yeah. Just giving it a quick darker sheen, darkening the footage a little bit, and that's it. We'll yeah, yeah. And that's just a technical thing, but it just... Takes you out. There's also another technical thing I found very um, distracting right at the end where Cropsy's about to fight it out with Todd. He turns around and he sees a body, but it's just a still shot of the girl who who had a throat cut. Mm. It's meant to be her sort of hanging as a dead body, but yeah. it's, a still, it's a still from the actual movie. It's not her corpse, Cost so to cutting. speak. Cost cutting, yeah. They must have failed to have Savini for more than those days. Yeah. Just going back to the sleaze too. You mentioned, <laughs> well, you, it's, it sounds it sounds a bit, back to the sleazy. Well, no, yeah. it sounds a bit ordinary because we were talking about in the likes that the sleazy element actually was one of its strengths. It's quite, I think it's important to separate sleazy and the the scenes of basic assault, yeah, and things yeah. like that. That's that's definitely a dislike. But the sleazy you're talking about is probably a little bit of the kind of this the sexual aspect and the and the the um the violence that is on screen. Yeah. Um, obviously not the sexual aspect of being put upon by Glazer. No, no, no but, that's, that's right. That's yeah, right. a bit of that. I mean, that's quintessential slasher, a bit of violence, a bit of, bit of sex. Yeah. And, you know, it goes too far I guess, into the I dislike guess, territory. I guess when you, say it's, when you say the movie's sleazy, it's got the ingredients of a slasher film, which, yeah. as you say, the sex, yeah. the violence, the nudity. And in portions, they really do add to the film. Yeah. But then other portions, they but go too far. But this movie goes too far with this... I guess you'd fair to say would be a real piss poor way of looking at women. Yeah, normally if you got someone like a Glazer or a, we'll take Glazer for example because he's the one that's in there the longest. You wouldn't have a character like that in the movie that long. You would have someone that acts like he does, and then you immediately think this guy's a prick. Get yeah. rid of him, and that's what happens. The slasher yeah. gets someone like that. Glazer lasts for quite a while. But the other thing is too. He then they then give you a slight late late twist on him. He actually seems to treat her decently after they have sex. Yeah, you know, he talks about oh, you know, we'll have a, I'll go and get some matches. I'll make you make a fire and everything. We'll stay together. Character development. Slight <laughs> twist. It's like hang on, that's way too late. Yeah, mate. you've already done your dash. Yeah, there. the guy did his dash twenty minutes ago. Mm. I think that's about all we've got yep. on the burning. Yep. We're going to take one more break, and then we're going to come back and do a year in review. The year in question, of course, 1981. Right now, he's out there, watching, waiting. Don't look. He'll see you. Don't move. He'll hear you. You're dead. 
We thought we'd, as this movie was made in 1981, we thought we'd take the opportunity to sit down and discuss that year in action and horror cinema and do a bit of a year in review rundown. We thought we'd cover off on, you know, box office numbers, what sort of films were out at the time, any sort of trends that were happening in those two genres. I think we'll kick things off with with the kind of stuff that was out in the action scene. Now, just to give everyone a little bit of an understanding in, from the box office point of view, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the highest grossing movie of 1981 with a domestic gross of $212 million. Superman 2 was also up there with 108. The highest grossing horror film of that year was Halloween 2, 25 million. Friday the 13th Part 2, not too far behind it with 21. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I guess I don't know what that is in today's dollars. Uh, I know that in today's money, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark is quite high, Mm. taking those money, those dollars. Action films of 81. Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course. Mm. First time we saw Indiana Jones. Yep. Uh, a real sort of watershed moment, I think, yeah. in, in in action cinema. Bringing back the kind of action-adventure type of thing that, you know, the, like the old serials yep. um, of the 50s and 60s. Escape from New York. First time we saw Snake Plissken as well. Interesting one. Superman 2, of course. That was a that was a winner. Bond was out. Roger Moore. Yeah. For your eyes only. Cannonball Run. Oh, gem. <laughs> probably probably should have been the highest grossing film of the year. <laughs> Early Jackie Chan, I believe. <laughs> Burt Reynolds' mustache was doing plenty of acting. This the original Inglorious Bastards was out in nineteen eighty one. Right. I don't know a lot about it. Nothing about it. I don't it. believe it's... I don't think it's related. No. Thing, is it? Now, this is where we start getting into a few more interesting pictures, and Jared, Jared's got, got a sort of a, a degree in... Uh, what was it called again? Bruceploitation. Bruceploitation, which will come across soon. I don't really have a degree in it. A little bit of a... Uh, maybe a diploma. with Bruceploitation. You're a, six, a six-week course, <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. Escape to Victory. Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, Pele. Mm. Nighthawks. Another Sylvester Stallone thriller. Chuck Norris was invading our face with an eye for an eye as well. <laughs> now, this is where things get a little bit out there. Terence Hill and Bud Spitzer yeah. gave us Who Finds a Friend Finds a Treasure. Right. Never saw that one. I never I saw a lot seen, of their films. I have seen one or two of Terence Hill and Bud Spencer. I think I saw the cover of one at, at the shops. What, um, recently? No, no, this was years ago. I saw, I saw the cover of one at the video shop and thought, this looks all right. So I picked it up and then I couldn't figure out why the um, audio and the, and the video never lined up, why they were dubbed. And obviously, you know, you get a bit older and realise it's two Italian blokes who don't have names like Ter- <laughs> Terence Hill and Bud Spencer. Are you sure? Yeah. The fuck? They were I two feel of- cheated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. I thought these were a couple of knockabout blokes who tried to punch the shit out of them. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. But then when you get there, it's, uh, yeah, it's two Italian fellas being dubbed in English and... God almighty. Yeah. Um, Condor Man. 
Never a classic it. in my era. I right. watched Condor. It's a Disney flick. Is it? I believe. Had Michael... Um... Oh, shit, I can't remember his name now. Guy who does Phantom of the Opera. Singer, Michael. Uh, too cultured for us. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say his name's Michael. <laughs> Leave it there. Michael, One of the Michaels, Michael, I'm Michael sure. Phantom or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we also got a film from um, Charles Bronson called Death Hunt. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> no one's seen it, but I'm just saying, look at the action stable, the stable of action stars that were running around in 81. Norris, <laughs> Bronson, Stallone. I actually did see an article the other day that had Death Wish and the um, the people that debuted in it. Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington was, was a thug in there. That got, Jeff Goldblum, I Yeah, Jeff Goldblum and Christopher Guest was a doctor in it. Jesus. But, yeah, Denzel shows up for two seconds and then gets blown away. I believe he threatens Bronson with a knife and Bronson just pulls out a gun and shoots him. So, classic Bronson. That's, that'll get you a couple of Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is where we start getting into the real meat of this of the 80s. The Ninja Flick. Yeah. And the martial arts movie. Enter the Ninja. Was yeah. in there. Starring Franco Nero. That's right. That was a canon picture where... They hired him as an American. They had to dub his, <laughs> dub his entire voice because obviously Franco Nero's from Spain or something like that. Right. Now, okay, enter three dragons because obviously one mm. is not enough. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get three of them in there. Starring a guy called Dragon Lee. Yeah, one of the one of the um, stable of actors involved <laughs> in Bruce exploitation. So who? Give us a rundown on who was who was um, starring in Bruce Bruce Boytation film. So now, hang on, just before we start, what is Bruce Boytation? <laughs> so obviously, when Bruce Lee hit with Enter the Dragon, and then died very quickly, everyone was rushing to make martial arts flicks with Bruce Lee in them, but with Bruce Lee not available, <laughs> you then had the, this collection of characters that were essentially Bruce Lee. So um, some of the names that we've got are. <laughs> Bruce Lee, L I, Bronson Lee, Bruce Chen, Bruce Lay, L A I, Bruce Lee, L E, um, Bruce Lai, L I E, Bruce Liang, Bruce Lai, L Y, Bruce Tai, Bruce K L Lee, Brute Lee, Myron Bruce Lee, Dragon Lee, and possibly my favourite, Lee Bruce. <laughs> so basically they had these characters they had these characters running around in various flicks <laughs> until I think it was until sort of Jackie Chan broke through and it was okay to have a martial arts movie without Bruce Lee. Well there was yeah. also um Game of Death too. <laughs> which I have seen. Which you, you seem to have seen. Yeah, yeah. And you're telling me has off cuts from other films, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. They they took co- The real Bruce cuts. Lee. They took off cuts of the real Bruce Lee for the first ten minutes and then spliced him in with another actor that didn't look very much like Bruce Lee. So you've got these scenes where it's a, <laughs> it's a shot of Bruce Lee close up and then it's you, so longer. Like, Lee longer, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, Lee Bruce or someone like that kicking it around. But yeah. let's just, just quickly, while we're on the topic, can I give you some of the movies that were involved? Some of my favourites. Re-Enter the Dragon. Enter Two Dragons. Obviously we had Enter Three Dragons as well. Um, enter Another Dragon. <laughs> Return of the Fists of Fury. 
Oh. Um, and possibly my favourite, Exit the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> we've entered enough dragons. It's time, time now. So look, we've had enough. It's time to exit the dragon. <laughs> well, it makes sense. If you're going to enter, you might as well exit as well. <laughs> Just a natural progression, isn't it? You don't want to stay in there. <laughs> um, there was also a Bond sort of parody out uh, at the same time starring Wang 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 <laughs> for your height only. Yeah, he was three and a half feet tall. I think it was the one of the Fil- Filipino movies. Yeah, might have been. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the action stable. <laughs> Oh God! I don't think we're going to quite get the the same quality in the horror stable. Evil Dead was out in eighty one. Jim, nineteen eighty one was a massive time for slasher films. Mm. This was the this was the the basically the golden age of this slasher is a good movies. Line up this year, basically. Basically, you had Halloween two, My Bloody Valentine, The Burning. Friday the 13th, Part 2, The Prowler, Just Before Dawn, Night School, Fatal Exam. That's a lot of slasher movies. Hmm. And that's, uh, there's more than that. That's just a few of the sort of notable Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, certainly the ones that you would, uh, I would actually know of. Um, there's probably a couple more in this list that are actually slasher films that we haven't seen. Uh, there was also The Howling, yeah. an American Werewolf in London. So it was also a little bit of a... Trend time for uh, werewolf sort of films are both with uh, major special effects movies. They both were. What else have we got in here? Scanners, Cronenberg. We saw a little bit of Cronenberg. Oh, sorry, I missed a couple of slasher movies here. Funhouse, Hell Night, Happy Birthday to Me. Dead and Buried's on there too. That's actually not a yeah, bad. Yeah, that's not a bad film. A bad movie. Yeah. There's another werewolf one, Wolfen. Fuck. Seems, Hol- <laughs> Seems Hollywood was absolutely enamoured with this shit, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it? you get the successful ones and then all of a sudden everyone's <clears throat> everyone's having a go at it. Where's Craven? Cropped up. Deadly Blessing. Mm. Yeah, I, know, I bet you didn't know about that. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it. It was just, a, look, it was a real interesting time, I think, in, in certainly with horror. I mean, we obviously took the piss out of the action... Stable with you know their exploitation, but in a way that was a trend. You know that was what was happening at that period. Mm. Um, slasher movies were massive in 1981. Yeah, varying degrees the... of, of of success too. Yeah, you got all the copies of Friday the <clears> Thirteenth <throat> and, and that sort of thing. And it, with it, which it, the Burning was one. It was a, it was a better one. But you, it's, you can see why the Burning didn't make any money. Potentially didn't make any money. Well, because it's a crowded lot, marketplace. There's a I lot mean. there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you've got Friday the Thirteenth is a staple now, is a, is a you know a franchise because they've got a sequel. Yeah, then you've got all these these copies that are getting picked up. Some of them being picked up by major studios. The Burning wasn't being picked up by major studio. It didn't get picked up by major studio, so it sort of hurt its chances. Mm. But that is the year in review, nineteen eighty one. Brief review. Brief review covered off on some uh, interesting points. We'll take one last break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about what we've got coming up next episode.
Next episode is actually going to be next episodes because as a group, myself, Jared, and Gibbo, who will be back, we are going to cover off on the entire Die Hard franchise, and we're actually going to do it over a week. So we're going to have Die Hard Week. We're going to release them in little bursts across that week, covering the the whole franchise. I'm actually looking forward to that because I, I do enjoy the franchise. It's one of my favourites, and the original is possibly, the, to me, the, the best film I've ever seen. Yeah, it's right up there. Um, definitely. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Definitely top-of-the-line action. I'm not mm. looking forward to um, A Good Day to Die Hard. But, Probably not so much. No. But sometimes you got to trawl through shit to... Sometimes you got to pan through mm. shit to get to goal. Yeah. And I'll accept that. In this in this instance, we're going to um, we're going to get the gold and then jump, start with gold, and then we're going to slowly just chip away at it until it's all just nothing but you know petrified poo. We'd like to thank everyone who's downloaded our episodes and to keep on listening. Uh, if you need if you want to get in contact with us with anything at all, ask us to do a movie or anything like that. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Or contact us through our Facebook, which is Thrill Me Podcast Australia. Until then, take it easy, and we'll catch everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia, or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.